This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. Ephesians 6, this is verse 10 through 13. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the strategies of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Do we pray? We did. Let's do that. Four people remembered. Thank you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. And thank you for your help and thank you for your grace. And thank you, Father, that you, you reveal to us and show to us what we need to see that we are a people who are protected. We are a people who are not helpless and not victims. Thank you that you've given us your armor. Thank you that you're continually showing us how we can apply this in our own lives. We open up our hearts tonight. Give me words to speak that are clear and accurate that what gets done tonight will honor you and help us all. We thank you for that. We believe it. In Jesus' name, amen. In this, in this passage, two things really struck me. The, the words take up and put on. He said take up, put on the whole armor of God. And then he's, he talks about take up the whole armor of God. He's not talking obviously about physical armor. So it cannot be a physical act. Uh, years ago, I think, uh, was, it, was it Larry Lee? Who did that thing where they would put on the full armor of God? And they would do it, you know, in the morning was part of their prayer ritual. I'm putting on my belt of truth, and I'm putting on my breastplate of righteousness. You know, imaginary, but they were doing it and kind of going through. Was it Larry, was it Larry Lee that did that? Not sure. But people, people did that, and that was, uh, that, that was a lot of the, of the teaching. It's not physical armor. So we're not, we're not putting on physical armor, but what does it mean to, to take up and put on? Because Paul talks about it. He said, put on the whole armor of God. Well, I can't see it and can't feel it. How am I going to put it on? And so that's one of, those, one of those things we just kind of move past and we go, well, take up the whole armor of God. So well, if I, I'm going to take it up and put it on if I, can't, if, if I can't see it and feel it. So let's talk a little bit about what that's involved. And, and it's not physical armor, but it involves awareness. That's what these, these teachings on Wednesday night have done if, if they've created an awareness. We have to have an idea of what Jesus has done for us. You have to create awareness. You have to know what, what has been done. Paul prayed, and he paid this prayer in, uh, in, the, in the book of Ephesians. Two key prayers in the book of Ephesians, one in the first chapter, one in the third chapter. But Paul prayed, and he prayed for revelation that people would see things. People would know. He said, what is... What is the hope of his calling? What is the riches of the glory of God's inheritance in the saints? And that's a big lot of words, and it sounds very churchy, but he's talking about what Jesus has done for us. And when you begin to know that, and you can begin to stand, when you begin to know that it's not God causing huge anxiety in your life, that that's a work of the enemy, and God wants you to live in peace and fear-free, then you can put resistance up to it. So a lot of times people, they've never heard. They just think, well, everything that happens just happens and it's all God. And so, no, 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 no. The Bible said God hasn't given us the spirit of fear, but a power and of love and a sound mind. And so when, when we just sense that horrible fear, you don't have to think, well, God's trying to teach me something. 
thinking God's trying to teach me something. What we realize is, no, that's a work of the enemy. There is a work of darkness. So Paul is talking about works of darkness, and he's talking about the armor of God. We see the armor of God is different from the works of darkness. And I'll go into that in just a moment. But the more you know, then the, the awareness, and that's why Paul prayed. You'll notice in his prayers for the church, three key prayers in the church, Ephesians 1, Ephesians 3, and Colossians 1. Paul does not pray for them to be blessed. And that's interesting. You think Paul's praying, oh, Lord, bless these people. Bless these people. Paul had a revelation already that if we belong to the Lord, we are the blessed. He prayed that they would see it. And by the way, that's a, those prayers, Ephesians 1, I think starting around verse 16 or 18, and Colossians 1, verses 9 and 10, are great prayers to pray for people. You're talking to someone, you're talking, maybe it's a loved one, maybe it's a family member, and they're like, they can't, they just can't see it. You ever talk to someone, they look at you like, what? So you pray those prayers. Lord, give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. Open the eyes of their understanding. Because the more you see, the more you get those aha moments. Ever have an aha moment? You're just kind of reading something all of a sudden like, whoa. Oh, I, I see it. And boy, when you see it, good things can happen. So Paul is praying that. And so that's one of the key things. It involves awareness. Second thing we're talking about involves intentional action. We're going to put on the whole armor of God. Now I'm going to go back to something that Paul talked about earlier in the book of Ephesians. You don't mind if I get just real technical with you tonight, do you? Good, because I'm going to do that anyway. That was a rhetorical question. And I was, uh, <laughs> but let's look at this, this passage in Ephesians. Paul was writing to the church again, Ephesus. He said, if indeed you've heard him, Jesus, and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off, here he goes again, now he's talking about putting off, putting off concerning, concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and, and then he said, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Now you read that and you go, what in the world is he talking about? He's talking about putting off the old man, how we used to think and live. How many of you, if you've been, those of you who've been walking with the Lord for any number of years, realize that you are not the same person that you used to be? How many of you think you've learned to think differently and your perspective is different? And what's happened is you've begun to put some of those things that you used to do, you don't even want to do them anymore. I, it bothers people sometimes when I tell about my life before I, I, I came back to the Lord and I was, you know, chasing women, doing drugs, partying pretty hard. And that bothers some people. It should not bother you because that old man died. And I, I, I'm a new creation. You say, aren't you embarrassed to tell those stories? No, because that old guy is dead. And I, I, I'm, a, I, I'm, I'm new in Christ. So, I'm putting off the old man. Now, I don't glory. Some people tell testimonies like they're really proud of it. I used to drink so much liquor. We don't need to hear that. <laughs> just, just censor that, would you? And just give us the cliff note version. But the, the idea is we, we think differently. You think differently about people. Obviously, you think differently about church. Because you're sitting in here on a Wednesday night. It's cold. Winter's like, 
I got one last shot at you guys. I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it tonight. So you're, 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 different thought. You've begun to think differently. You've begun to have a different perspective. And so what, you've, what you're doing is you, you begin to put off the old man. When I came to the Lord, I started changing. So because I'd been raised in church, I knew there were some things I need to stop doing. So when I came back to the Lord, I knew I needed to stop. When, when I committed to him, I remember I, I walked upstairs in my pantry. I didn't have much food, but I had a box with my bong and, and all my pot in it. And I thought, no, nah, I've committed my life to the Lord. So I took the bong and the pot and threw it away. I didn't give it to anybody. <laughs> don't give it to a friend and don't sell it. Just throw it away. But I, I, I'm, think, I'm thinking different. What am I doing? That was my former conduct. I'm beginning to put that off. Say, so, Alan, when do we ever stop doing that? I don't think we stop doing it ever. I think we're constantly learning and constantly growing. And how many of you know, you're, you're, if you've been walking with the Lord in any length of time now, you even look back on some of the things you did when you were, first came to the Lord and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did that. That's well, okay, we're learning. We're growing. And so putting off the old man, and then it, but then here's the kicker here. It says, what's, what's happening? We be renewed in the spirit of our minds. How we think, how we see ourselves, we begin to see God differently, and that becomes the catalyst for change. We begin to see things differently. We become renewed in the spirit of our minds. Say, well, how do you begin to do that? What you're doing tonight is mind renewal. When you spend time in, in your own time with the Lord, you're beginning to, to see things differently. When you begin to find out, this is why I think it's so important to find out what Jesus has done what he's done in you. And when you begin to see that, you begin to, it, it, you begin to think differently. It's a process. But it's a good process. You say renewed in the spirit of our mind and we put on the new man. So we're, we're beginning to, to act differently. We had a panel discussion on Sunday and someone asked about anger that I got to answer. And uh, say, why? Because I'm the one with the temper. Joy, who's Italian, Everyone goes, oh, you're Italian. She has a temper. Listen, guys, if you've been hanging on to that, get rid of it. Because every nationality feels like, oh, I'm Irish. I have a temper. I'm Indian. I have a temper. Everyone's got a temper. <laughs> Don't use that as a crutch. And so they ask about that. And they said, how, how are, do, is your temper as, as bad now as it used to be? And I can just tell you, no, it's not. It's not a function of getting older. Some people get older and get meaner and grumpier and nastier. And some people, some people mature nicely. I believe personality-wise, we ought to continually change and become more Christ-like. So then our personality really begins to become tempered. And so do I still have a temper? Yes. But I have a better hold on it now than I used to. Does that make sense? So I begin to put off the, that old man, putting on the new man, and, and my temper gets, and my disposition and my temperament gets better all the time. They say, well, you sound like you're bragging. I'm not bragging on me. I'm just telling you the truth. But as you, as you put off the old, you begin renewed in the spirit of the mind. The, the more you see of Jesus, 
The Bible said the more we're changed into the same image from glory to glory. What's the objective? The objective is that we become more Christ-like. Now listen, Christ in me is going to look different than Christ in you. But it's going to have the same spirit about it. Think, just think about it. Meditate on that for a while. <laughs> it, it's, it, but it, you're, you're putting off the old, putting on the, but you're changing. And, and, and you begin to see him, what he's done, what he's done in your life. So it involves awareness, intentional application. It also involves faith on our part. 2 Corinthians 4, 13. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. Now we're still talking about the, the principle here of the armor of God. Now let me, let me give you just a couple of things. We believe in what Jesus has done in us and we, we believe what Jesus has done for us. We believe what he's done in us. He's made us new creations, spiritually speaking. We're new. What he's done for us. Well, he's given us all these things. He's given us the armor of God. Now here's the thing. We have to apply faith in that area. And so that involves, a, a, a big involvement is what we're saying about it. Now here is where, and I'm, just, I'm going to group all of us in here. Here's where I, I think one of our challenges is that we are, we've been trained to talk how we feel and how it looks. You listen to people talk. You listen to yourself. You just monitor your words for a bit. You would hear yourself talk a lot about, well, I, you know, how you feel. I just feel this way and I, I feel that way and I feel this way. So, Alan, feelings are real. I'm not denying that they're real. But I'm just saying that talking only how you feel and only what it looks like is living life on this level. Beginning to talk about what God's done in you and what's available to you is a higher level. And it's, it's a different way of thinking. You know, someone comes in, you know, and you're talking with the family and you're like, I just tell you, well, I don't know, I could, this whole family's just, we're, we're all just jacked up. We're just, we're, we're all gonna, <laughs> we're never, we're never gonna amount to anything. We're just, it's hard. I mean, you have, to have those days, you're like everybody. Oh, what's wrong? Kids are crazy, you're crazy, everybody's crazy. Everybody's just crazy. Our dog's crazy, everybody's crazy. We just got crazy. We're all crazy, crazy. Even, even though it's like, oh, Alan, I'm just talking. Could you say something different? Could you say, thank God God's worked in us. We're not the same family that we used to be. God's got a plan. It sounds weird. And if you start sharing stuff like that, I promise you it's going to sound weird coming out of your mouth. Because you've been saying, you've been looking in the mirror going, oh dear God. <laughs> Seems like I'll get worse looking every year. <laughs> and I... I'm just getting old. <laughs> I am not getting old. I'm maturing gracefully. <laughs> but, but listen, don't we do that? We talk that all the time. But then also, when, when pressure comes, we, we don't talk. A lot of times, we're just talking what we feel, what it looks like, what's going on. And so part of what we do when we start reading this armor, we just go, thank God I know truth. Thank God. That because of what Jesus has done, he's made me the righteousness of God in Christ. That I have a right standing with God. Now listen guys, I recognize that's different. But you need to learn to do that in the times when no one, I'm not saying you go out and just pull your neighbors in and go, did you know that I am the righteousness of God in Christ? 
That's not where you start. Where you start is in what you're saying to yourself. That's where you start. And you're not trying to push this off on anybody else. But when we read the armor of God, sometimes you can read it like it's a, you know, the armor of God, belt of shoes, breastplate of righteousness, shoes of peace. It's great, wonderful. No, it's yours. Put on full armor of God. So we begin to say, thank God, truth. I have truth. Not only do I understand truth and know truth, I know that the truth is. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I know truth and, and the truth's in me and the Holy Spirit who lives in me, he is the spirit of truth. I'm not going to be deceived. My family's not going to be deceived. We're not going to be deceived. That's different talk. But if you want something different, we have to be willing to do something different. You can look at your marriage and go, I tell you what, dear God, why did I ever marry you? I have no idea. What was I thinking? Was I stupid? Was I just stupid? I must have been stupid. That's not blessing anybody, and it's not helping your marriage. So what do you say? Thank God you're a gift of God to me. Now some of you are laughing like, oh, they will, Alan, they will know I'm lying. They will know I'm lying. Now, are, you, are you lying, or are you just speaking on a higher level? Because you, you can keep calling it like you see it, but it ain't going to change it. We have to speak differently. And so when, when we read these things and we read about um, what Jesus has done in us, years ago, I'd say, gosh, I'm starting to 35 years ago. <laughs> gosh, as I said, sound good for someone who's maturing gracefully. And I... <laughs> There was a time when people, when there was more of an awareness of this, and people actually used to have cards, and they would have cards, and they would make confessions of their cards. What they're doing, they're, they're speaking what the scripture said about them. And, and, and I realize people kind of got legalistic with it, but listen, the principle is still good. That you're, can, I, can I tell you something? The, the secular world will give you affirmations to say about yourself, and they're, and they're positive. If you're in sports psychology, they will tell you to visualize and speak positive things. They just had a major, major uh, heavyweight fight. I, I listened to a little bit of it. But most of those guys don't go into a heavyweight fight talking, gosh, he's 6'7", weighs 275, I'm probably going to get killed. <laughs> if they do, if you're a better, don't bet on that guy. He's going, how do they talk? They talk, I don't care how big he is, I'm going to kill him. I'm going I'm I'm to knock him out, and he's going to wish he'd never mess with me. And we go, that's good, that's good. Football coaches go, I don't care how big they are, guys. You're tough, you know how to fight, we're going to kill them. We go. Christians go, Thank God Jesus made me the righteousness of God in Christ and I am the blessed, I am not cursed, I am the head and not the tail and above and not beneath. And, and, and we don't, that's not what we do. We don't go, we go, hmm. <laughs> no, Alan, that's a little, that's a little fanatical there. That's an, uh, getting out there on the edge. <laughs> yeah, on the edge. If that's living on the edge, that's exactly where I want to live because death and life are in the power of the tongue. And if you keep talking what you don't have, what you can't do, what you don't know, it's not going to get better. 
So the armor of God, it'd be good. You could, you could just get up. You could have your devotional time and say, Lord, thank you. I have truth in my life. I have right standing because of what Jesus has done. And I also have the shoes of peace. And I need to just start you off on that because that's where I was actually intending to go. But let's talk a little bit about the shoes of peace. And then next week I'll get to half this other stuff that I intended to. <laughs> Ephesians 6.15, if you can jump there, guys. Ephesians 6.15, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, I'll be honest with you guys. I've been reading this a long time, and I never got that part. I'd always read that. Shoes of the preparation of the gospel of peace. I had no idea what that meant. And as I, as I studied that, in fact, I told the Lord, I said, I don't know what this means. And so he helped me. But you know, he's a helper, and he can help you. Actually, you begin to look it up, and, and just if you'll pardon me while I read a little bit of Greek translations here. Actually, the shoes of peace talks about a firm foundation. One of the Weymouth translation is probably the best. He says, putting on the shoes of the good news of peace, a firm foundation for your feet. Now, the good news of peace. We think of peace, we think of not being in a fight, not warring, but peace is a much bigger word. It's a big word. The, um, it corresponds with the Hebrew word shalom. And this word implies this. Peace implies, when this word peace is being used, it implies health, welfare, prosperity of every good kind. Peace. It also involves peace of mind and tranquility arising from reconciliation with God and a sense of divine favor. Peace. We've been reconciled with God. We have peace. Jesus said, and I'll quote it, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Don't let your heart be troubled and don't let it be afraid. I used to think peace was always equated with a feeling. You know, I, you know I'm, I'm nervous, I'm nervous, and I have peace. But Jesus said, I'll give you a peace not like the world gives. The world is looking desperately for peace. And a, a lot of people who, who abuse alcohol, People who abuse drugs will tell you they're just looking for peace. They're just looking for some peace here. And yet Jesus said he's given us peace. But the idea is we, we've equated peace so much with a feeling, we don't realize peace is a function of our relationship with God. Because I've been reconciled to God, now I have, I have a relationship with God. Are you ready? I'm, I'm his child like Jesus is his child. The Bible said that we are, we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit bears witness in our spirit that we're children of God, sons of God. Do you realize that relationship? That relationship as a son of God, as a, as a child of God. I was just driving down the road the other day, and I was, I, was, I was thinking about that verse in Romans, those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are sons of God, and that word just jumped out, sons of God. Man, that's pretty awesome. A son of, of, of Almighty God. That's a big thing. So no, no longer am I separate from God. No longer am, am I just me and God like we're cool. Like, you know, no, God's not mad at me. I'm not mad at God. We're cool. That's what a lot of people think peace is. No, we're all good. It's all good. No, no, no. We, we have a close relationship. 
I have a relationship with him. I've been reconciled to him. I'm family. I mean, no family. When your family comes over, they don't ask you, especially if you've got kids leaving your house. They don't ask you if they can look at your refrigerator. Walk right over there. Boys would come home. It's like, it like that locust plague. My boys would come home. I'm looking in the refrigerator going, honey, where's that chicken? Where's that piece of chicken I was saving for myself? Yeah. The boys got it. Didn't even ask me if they could have it. If it's in the refrigerator, it's theirs because they're family. Now, if your kid comes over to my house, you better stab my refrigerator. <laughs> you understand the difference. You understand family. You understand that when, when my kids come in and my, and my grandkids come over, a lot of times Joy will cook. Well, we used to cook. She, she's, no, 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 no. Don't even try. Don't even try. Y'all trying to get me in trouble. Don't you even do it. Don't you even do it. And she's not here tonight. So, ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha. Thought y'all going to try to get me in trouble. We, we agreed because I've asked her to minister more so she cooks less. But when she does, she doesn't always cook, but when she does, girl can flat cook some Italian food. And we, she would do a Sunday afternoon and the kids will come over and the grandkids, none of them come walking in going, do you think we can have some, some pasta? And I'm looking like going, Maybe. They come in, they pile their plates, they put the food on their plates, and they eat. We're family. There's a relationship. How many of you know some of you, some of you, if you've ever been through tight times, you would make sure your children eat and you wouldn't. You love your kids. You, you love, you, you love. Listen, our Heavenly Father is even better than that. And what gives me peace is knowing I'm not alone, I'm not afraid, I'm not abandoned, I'm not on my own. I've got a relationship with God. Jesus has given me, I'm family now. I am a child of God. And that gives me, that gives me peace. You ever notice how Jesus walked? He, he was never worried about things. He's like, he's like, I'm not worried about it. Jesus had to be, this, I, I would have loved just to kind of watch. I hope, I hope in heaven they have like movies. So we can look back and see, you know, how Jesus, you know, that's so cool because he was just always super cool. I mean, they're trying to stone him and he's like, whatever. I'm just walking right through the middle of him. It's like, they're trying to stone me. I'm like, ah, he's good. <laughs> Jesus is cool because Jesus knew his relationship with the Father. He loved the Father. The Father loved him. And that gave him peace. And knowing that God wants you well, and blessed, and healthy, and strong, that'll give you peace. You go to the doctor, and the, you're waiting to get a report. Isn't it good to know that you have a heavenly father who's a healer, who wants you well? That'll give you peace. But you know that God will help you. You're in a tough situation. You don't even understand what to do. You're in a tough situation. 
Joy and I will look at each other sometimes and go, Lord's helping us. We just tell the Lord's helping us. God's helping us. Sometimes we don't even know, we don't even know how to write it down yet or what, what to say. But we would just say, the Lord's helping us. What are we doing? Speaking on a higher level. Talking about what, what God's done for us. Does that make sense? And that, well, that gives you peace. If you know you got help, you'll be all right. Someone said, you know what? You had a flat tire and you're like, huh, I don't even have a spare. And you call a friend of yours, one of those handy people. And he says, no problem. I'll be there in five. I got you covered. Now you go out and stand beside your car and you're like, okay, it's going to be all right. We got a God that's got us covered. It's going to be all right. We got peace. Let's bow your heads. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your words. Thank you for your life. I thank you, Father, for these, these folks. They listen well. You love them. You care about them. So many of them belong to you. They're your children. They're family. There's a relationship there. And thank you for the peace that that brings to our hearts. Give you all the praise for that. Continue to enlighten us. Show us what's going on. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If you came this evening and said, you know what, Alan? I don't even have a relationship with God. I know that. He knows that. But I want to change it. Or you're here and you say, I've been away from God. And man, I don't want to live there. I'd like to come back. Or we're going to say a prayer. I'm not going to ask you to stand up or come down here to the front. We're not going to try to embarrass you at all. But if you'd like to be a part of this prayer, and you say, you know, I want a relationship with God, or I want to come back to him, would you pray for me? Would you just real quickly slip your hand up? No one else is looking around. I am. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Great. Thanks. Thank you. Appreciate your courage. Anybody else? Yeah. Wonderful. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray. If you lifted your hand, maybe you didn't lift your hand and you wanted to, we're going to, we're going to pray this with you as a church family. You just join it with us. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Father, thank you for those many that lifted their hand and prayed that prayer. And for those, Father, that, that didn't but prayed it right out of their heart, thank you. They belong to you. They've stepped out of darkness into light and they've come home. We rejoice with them. Father, for the rest, we thank you for what you're doing in us and through us. We give you all the praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.